0: Right in this morning um, as we just saw the kids' video on patience anybody else struggling with that with that uh, that virtue of patience right now oh man like I this I keep hearing people saying, my kids, like, I wish Corona was over. I just can't wait until Corona's over. And maybe for you, it's when you go grocery shopping, you drive to the grocery store. I've done this. I've gone to the grocery store. I looked and was like, nah, I just don't have enough patience for today. <laughs> you know, the lineup's too long. I'm, I just made a decision. I'm going to go grocery shopping tomorrow. Whatever it may be, the patience thing is difficult. Uh, and yet it's something that it ha- has great opportunity to grow in a time in a season like this. Uh, last week, was we were talking about remaining on mission that we're not just simply waiting for things to go back to normal, that God's called us to be on a mission now and in in these times and in these days, and we're not just waiting because we don't want to miss out on what he has for us in this time and what he has for the world through us in this time. And really the mission is simple, to first and foremost, be a disciple, be a follower of Jesus. Second, make other followers of Jesus by by showing them the love of Christ and offering them the truth of who he is and what he's done for them. And then third, to keep the unity of um, the Jesus followers which is also tricky in times like this, but that we wouldn 't be distracted from that, but that we'd remain on mission and we, we, st- we saw this the uh, the account of Paul and Silas who never gave up on their their faith, their trust in God, even in spite of the difficult situations they were facing and and uh, that we can just find the encouragement and the teaching from those uh, stories from those accounts that that uh, encourage us and so this morning, as we look at something else again today, just to look at it with those eyes. God, what are you saying to me? What do you need to do in my life? And that we'd hear Holy Spirit's voice this morning more than mine. Uh, So let's jump in. You know, uh, uh, as I was reading through my devotions this week, uh, reading through the Bible app, um, through the New Testament, I got to John chapter 16, and as I read the first line of John 16, uh, it's, it's Jesus on his way to the garden after he's had the Last Supper with his disciples. He knows that this is going to be his final moments to talk with his earliest followers, and he shares these words with them. He says in John 16, 1, he says, I've told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. As I read that, it just it jumped out at me, and I thought, "What? What do you? Why? Why is that?" I've read this many, many times, but so there was something that just made me read it again. I've told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. And when I started looking up some of these words, the word "abandon" just simply meant that you begin to distrust and desert the one or desert one whom you ought to uh, trust and obey that you begin to distrust and desert one you ought to trust and obey. He's like, that's why, because I'm telling you these things so that you don't, mistrust or distrust and that you don't desert the one that you ought to trust. And uh, as I thought, well, what are the things that he told them? He's like, hey, I told you these things so that you don't abandon your faith. And so I went back the la- the next few chapters and I began to reread them. And reading through, you know, chapter 13, 14, and 15, I realized he was telling them, he was telling them a whole lot of bad stuff's about to happen. He said, you know, there's a lot of bad stuff's going to happen to me. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be, I'm going to be <laughs> killed. I'm leaving you guys. Uh, we're, we as a whole are going to be hated. And then he says, and it's not just bad stuff happening to me. He's in the next couple of chapters, bad stuff happening to you as well. He said to, to those, those 12 sitting around the table, he's like, you know, you guys are, you're going to be hated because of me. They're going to kick you out of the synagogues and stuff. You're going to kick you out of your families. Some of you are going to be killed because you're followers of me. And they're kind of all looking like, and he's like, and I'm telling you all this so you don't abandon your faith. I'm telling you this so you don't stop trusting me. And he says, and actually you need to be more connected to me. I'm leaving, but you need to be more connected to me. How do we stay more connected? He said, stay connected through my word, through my love, and through my spirit. He's saying that, that thing of stay connected. Don't abandon. Don't, don't desert or drift away from your faith, even when the times are going to be tough. You know, as I think about that drifting away from faith, you know, they, they, they needed it in that moment. Because, man, they were all just tempted to drift as soon as they saw Jesus die. But I find that we are tempted to drift away from and abandon faith as well. And just in times like this, there's an article in the Christian Post last week that said that right now, about 50% of churchgoers, people who regularly went to church, uh, admitted to the fact that they haven't been to an online service or watched an online service in the last four weeks. That is a little bit of, a, of, a, of a, uh, an indicator or a warning that something might not be right something might not be right. The truth is you don't have to go to church or go to an online service or anything to be a Jesus follower. But it does indicate that something might, might be wrong. If you think about it in other things, if you didn't talk to your spouse for a month, it's kind of an indicator that probably things aren't all right. You know, if you, didn't talk, if you haven't talked to your children in a month, something's, there's an indicator that something's not all right. If you haven't eaten for a month, that's a pretty good indicator that something's not all right. And, and so again, in this sense, you know, if for, if for you, uh, maybe, maybe you're not watching cause you're one of the 50%, but you know, maybe you are watching, you know, somebody who hasn't. So I we encourage you to keep inviting one another. To participate in these things, because it may be an indicator—not just that you're not part of an online thing, but the fact that you may be drifting away from Christ, drifting away from the mission, simply because of the stuff that's going on. And maybe you got reasons for it. Maybe the drift is—maybe the drift is something like the practical things. You look outside, and you're like, "Man, it's a nice day." You know, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to mow the lawn. I'm going to have just do whatever, and I'll, I'll come back later. And you have great intentions that we're going to watch later or be a part of it later. And then all of a sudden, you know, a week goes by and, oh yeah, I was gonna, but d- it didn't happen. Maybe, maybe for you, it's like, it's just, <laughs> it's a little bit deeper than that. For you, you're like, man, I got like five kids, right? And I, I try to watch, but I just can't, you know? <laughs> They're like all over me. It just, it's crazy. We got pigs in the house. Like, I can't, I can't do, how am I supposed to take part in this? And, and we're like, ah, I just can't do this. And, and so the, it becomes something of a back burner issue. But, but maybe it goes deeper than that. And for some of you watching, maybe it's a whole lot deeper. Maybe for you, that's like this whole Corona thing. is just like, oh, I, I, it, it's just driving you crazy. Maybe all the stuff you read in the news about the protests and you just, or you see the pain and the hurt going on in our world, suffering going on in our world. And you look at it and you're like, man, the doubt starts to come in. Like, how how, how can God exist? And, and maybe for you, that's kind of where your mind wants to go. You're like, I... I don't know if this whole thing, I don't know if I trust this whole thing that God exists or that God cares. Maybe for you, it's way closer to home. Maybe for you, it's like the fact that maybe it's cancer or maybe it's, it's uh, you know, there's, there's hurt going on in your life. Maybe, you know, your parents are using the D word, you know, speaking of divorce and uh, maybe it's the abuse or addiction that's uh, affected your life, uh, either yours or others. Maybe it's the, the heartache or the heartbreak that you're experiencing right now or, or have in your past. And it's all of that stuff mixed together that just makes you the the wonder, the drift, say, I I don't know if God cares about me. I don't even know <laughs> if he exists. You know, those are the thoughts. And maybe for you this morning, maybe that's kind of the reason you left faith uh, way back when. And right now in times like this, you have time. And so you're kind of checking out things, maybe wondering, you know, is there is there more to this life than just this life? And Want to speak to that this morning because James, the brother of Jesus, he writes something incredibly powerful. I've read it many times, but even though it's incredibly powerful, it, it actually comes across as kind of insensitive. And when he says it back then, it it probably didn't seem fair uh, for him to say it. And it may seem unfair for us as we read it this morning and say, what? That's that, that's for us? Uh, it just, it comes across that way. But can I, I, I can assure you that James Hart in writing it wasn't to offend and it wasn't to be insensitive, but it was truth. And this morning, as we look at it, it's not to be insensitive and it's not to offend, but it's, it's truth. Something that we, we, and I say we, I mean, each of us needs in times of our life and it might be today. And the so, Let's take a look at it this morning. It goes like this, James 1, verse 2, in his letter to the Jesus followers in the first century, James says this, Dear brothers and sisters, he's writing to other Jesus followers, he says, When troubles come, meaning, hey, it's not if. They're, they're coming. Maybe, you know, you avoided it up until recently, but, man, then they, they show up. He says, When troubles of any kind, and it's also the word is, is, can be translated many kinds, when when troubles of many different kinds come your way, consider that an opportunity for great joy. <laughs> And hey, We look at that and we're like, man, all of the, 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 the evil stuff going on around us, that's, that doesn't seem like, hey, let's have a party. Let's be happy about all this. And he's saying, I'm not saying be happy, but consider this opportunity an opportunity for joy. Because it's an opportunity for hopelessness and complaining and everything else, but he says it's also an opportunity for joy. And he says, here's why. Verse three he says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. What's he saying? He's saying, Hey, this, all these trials, all these many kinds of trials, they're doing something. They're actually testing your faith. And we say faith, it's, it's, they're testing your actual trust in God. These things test, they, they test you. It's not God testing you. It's not God saying, ah, I wonder if the world loves me or not. Let's smite them with Corona and see what, see what they do. You know, or maybe it's like, you know, those people from, you know, Balmoral and that, I'm just going to, I'm just going to put some, I'm going to put some cancer in their life. Or I'm going to put some of these things in their life, or I'm going to put some, you know, marriage turmoil on them and see how they handle it. That's not what's happening. But those things are happening and when they happen, those things life tests our our faith to see if it's genuine. It tests it to see is this trust in God real or or, or will something cause them to drift away from it will they abandon it you know because I, I don't know about you but but in in uh, in our North American culture maybe you've heard about faith in a different way there's lots of pe- people preachers that that get on television and say things like well if you have faith you can be healed every time you know there's there's no there's no sickness if you have faith and there's you know there's no shortage there's no poverty there's no poor if you have enough faith or you know there's gonna be no hardship or no suffering if you have faith so if your faith is genuine you shouldn't have any poverty, you shouldn't have any sickness, you shouldn't have any suffering. <laughs> but the New Testament writers and Jesus don't teach that. Uh, it's the opposite, actually. They say that in those times you find out whether your faith is genuine or not, whether that trust of God is genuine. And James writes that. He says to them, when your faith is tested, when your trust in God is tested, he says it actually produces patience in you is what the new King James translated. He says it's doing something in you. This genuine faith and trust is producing something in our lives. If we realize it, if we realize it, it actually, that it, what it's producing, it says, is a steadfast endurance in us. Uh, also translated patience, but it's also translated the steadfast endurance. And when you look that up, it says, it's like, it, it actually uses the terms man on a mission. It produces this like mission-centered focus in you when you realize these trials are happening, but all they're doing is galvanizing me on the mission that I'm on. You know, it's that thought that, you know what, I'm not checking out just because it's not working out. And I'm not giving up just because I'm not seeing things go the way that I'd hoped. I might not fully understand the trial, but I fully trust the goodness of God who's with me in it. And for many North American Christians, I have to say Christians with the quotation marks, because for many, that's not how they became followers of Christ. They, they said a prayer, you know, God, I invite you into my life because you'll make my life better, is basically what they said. And then when life all of a sudden isn't better, it's like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know if this, you know, I don't know if I want to keep following because life's not better. That's not why Jesus came. And that's not what Christianity is about. Not true Christianity. That kind of faith won't hold up. It just won't. But there is a faith. There is a trust in God that can, and that holds up and that carries you through. And that's what he's saying. Don't abandon that. Don't abandon that. Jesus said, when the bad things happen, don't abandon that faith, that trust in God. And maybe that's your story maybe that's why you walked away and i hope today that you've you know you walk away from that and leave that forever but that you would join on to something that's true and here's what james says in verse 4 he says so he says so let that patient endurance let that grow because when your endurance is fully developed he says hey you know the, let that thing have its course in your life that trial or whatever you're going through that testing of your faith let don't try and get out of it early you know, I don't know about you, but I I always my is, God get me out of this. I don't I don't want steadfast endurance. I want relief. Like just just make it go away. Like make corona end. They said last night there were some kids in Cuba who just put up a sign that said, honk if you want corona to leave. And it's like, wow, that wouldn't that be easy, you know, just honk and it's gone. And it's like, you know, pray if you want the suffering to be gone in life. Okay, I'll just pray. Oh, it should be gone by now, but it doesn't. Oh, just pray and my marriage is fixed. It just doesn't. And what's James saying? He said, don't try to get out of that thing early. It's doing something in you. You know, the thing that's, um, that's uh, <laughs> I think even about Corona and this whole thing of, man, I wish we could be together in this building. I wish we could be meeting all together. And my mind is always like, how can I find ways that maybe, maybe we can figure something out. And yesterday I was thinking, you know what? Why don't we just advertise that we're going to have peaceful protests here every Saturday night at 6.45 and every Sunday morning at you know at 9.45? And uh, there's nothing they can do. We can just gather for peaceful protests. And, uh, uh, you know, our leaders against racism, you know, if we think about those thoughts, it's like, but I realize, you know, that's not the spirit of it. And even though I want to try and make things change and get out of it, I realize that he's doing something. That we got to continue to trust that God's doing something in this and through this the confident trust not to abandon not to abandon that trust in him in these in times like this you know the <laughs> that confident trust james finishes it by saying so let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed you'll be perfect and complete lacking nothing that perfect and complete doesn't mean you're perfect. You never sin. You like you're the perfect person. It, those actually both those words mean the same thing. They're two different words. He uses them both to get the point across. He says, he says, let all of this stuff have its perfect work. Don't get out early. Let it do it what it's doing in you because you'll be complete. You'll be whole. You'll be, um, you'll be unbroken. That that's the, that's what, he's, uh, what he's describing as he talks about these words. And when I think about that made whole, that restored, that unbroken, I just realize that we as humanity, and I say we because I'm in it, we're not that. We're not whole. We're not unbroken. We're actually the opposite. We're pretty broken. If we look at humanity and we look at our world, we realize our whole world is broken. Our whole world is broken. And we're broken, and and uh, you know that's what keeps getting revealed uh, over and over again. And I wonder, you know, if G- as Jesus followers, sometimes we miss this thought. We forget that the world around us is broken. We forget that we were broken, and, and where things have gone in our lives, and we drift away from the mission as a result. You know, I think uh, I think about it this way: we've been raised in a culture that's been that been uh, preached and taught moral relativism. Uh, that, that like this image shows, you know, who am I to judge? You know, I won't judge you. You don't judge me. What's right for you is fine. What's right for me is fine. And we have, we have this thought that whatever's right for me is right. And this morning, I'd encourage you just to to listen to these next couple of thoughts in their entirety before kind of making a judgment call on what you think is, is being said or meant. Because in our culture, we have that thought. You know, what's right for you is right for you. And what's right for me is right for me until it isn't. Until it isn't. Because then things start to happen in our world that all of a sudden it it, it challenges that thought. For instance, all the protests going on right now, all the protests going on right now is like, we want justice you know, what's right for you is fine for you until it does something like this. Then it's not right anymore. You've crossed a line. You've crossed an invisible line. And what you've done right now is not, is not right. And there's mass protests around the world right now because they believe that a wrong has been committed and that there should be justice for that wrong. And there's pointing fingers at the injustice around them saying that was wrong. And we think that that would be you know this thing we could gather around and say together yeah okay hey <laughs> there is a moral standard a moral code that's inbuilt in each of us that is wrong but it's it's crazy how people can't even agree on on this one thing that that it's like now all of a sudden there's all kinds of divisions about about who can protest and who can't, you know, or those who are like, we want the lawbreakers to to pay, uh, but then they'll break the law to protest. They'll break the laws of social distancing to be in, in this group protesting those who break the law. There's then the looters who are like, they're financially benefiting from it personally, because to them, well, hey, that's right for me. And others are furious about it. Some are furious that, that somebody like myself, of the wrong skin color, would talk about this even. And it's like the, the Jesus followers, even, and that's where my heart breaks, is that the Jesus followers have been sucked right into it along with everyone else. That they are, are against one another in these thoughts of, this is right, or I'm right, or this is how we should, or how dare you, and, and the fingers start getting pointed at. You know, as I think about it, <laughs> Jesus' mission and his agenda was that we would be unified. And what's the enemy going to do? His agenda is always going to be divide, divide, divide. Can't you see that his agenda is being pushed right now to divide us in any way possible, to divide humanity in any way possible? You know, I think that's the truth about all of this is that it actually reveals something. It doesn't reveal that God doesn't exist or God doesn't care, but this does reveal something about humanity. It reveals something about us, about you and about me that I think is incredibly important because there's something in people that in, in each of us, that wants others to adhere to a moral code. They, we want others to adhere to this code. We want, we want them to either to, to change or to pay. We want justice. And there's this assumption. There's an assumption in all of us that our view of that is what's right, that our view of justice is right, and we're right in having that. And we tend to assume that we're right, that our view of justice is right. But, but are we? Are we? I ask you this question because, you know, we think, ah, those who broke the law, they must pay. You know, I saw this other sign again. We want justice. We want justice. But do we really, when I say we, do you, do I, do we really want justice? Do we want the police, sorry, do we want the police brutality to be, to, to stop and to be judged? Do we want justice for that? What about the murderers? Do we want them to pay? What about the thieves and the looters? Do we want judgment on them? What about the social gatherer who's breaking the law? What about the liar? What about the cheater? What about the abuser? What about the racist? What about the hater? Do we want them to pay? As we answer the questions, you know, not out loud, I hope, but in your head, it comes down to this question. What if, but what if it's us on the other side of the finger? What if it's us that's being pointed at and saying, we're the ones, we we as humanity are ones who've broken laws and demanding Demand, do we still demand justice? You know, I find it amazing that Jesus, a man who lived 2,000 years ago, understood humanity in a way that so, so few did. It's, almost like, it's like, almost like he made them and knew what they were made of. Jesus said things like this. He said, hey, if you, if you, if me, if he says, if you hate your brother, he says, that's the same as murder. And everybody would look at that and go, what? It's not the same. But he said, yeah, in the heart, that's the same. And we want the hater to pay, but he's like, you know what? If you've, if you've had that, <laughs> you're in the same boat. And he says, you know, and he says to them, if you look at a woman with lust or a man with lust in your heart, he says, it's like you've, you've committed adultery with them in your heart. He says, you might think you didn't do the deed, but he says, that doesn't matter. It's what's in the heart that matters. And he says, you know, all of a sudden he puts this place. and Do we want, do we want justice on the cheater? He says, if you call somebody a fool, he says, you're in danger of judgment. And he reveals to the whole world, to people like you and I, and to all of humanity, that we are all guilty. We're all guilty. And when we cry out, we want justice against somebody else, do we realize that we're calling out for justice against our own lives? And do we really want justice when it's us? Do we really want judgment on the guilty when it's us? The bad news is we're all broken humanity is broken. And in in, in this one case, as we've seen over the last couple of weeks, this one evil deed actually has led to all kinds of more evil deeds being done as a result. (laughs) Scripture told us that long time ago, that a man named Adam, he's the first one to commit an evil deed. And that thing just spread to everyone. One broken man led to a whole bunch of broken people hurting people who keep hurting people who keep hurting people. And the cycle of hurt just carries on and carries on. And we try and fix it. And we think we're going to fix it with protests and whatever else. But the problem is broken can't fix broken. Broken cannot fix broken. And, And you know it if you've ever been in these places. I don't know if you've ever broken a bone. I broke my leg once. I was a youth pastor and I thought I'll take my youth group roller skating. And I'll show off and I'll just try to jump over the wall on blades. Well, I did. I made it over the wall. I just didn't make the landing. Crumpled on the other side, broke a rollerblade and broke my leg. And I was like, man, I can fix this until I realized that I can't. I had to go to a doctor. There's no way I could fix that. Have you ever wrecked a vehicle? Man, I've wrecked one bad. Uh, and I was like, looked at. that's not mine. But uh, I get uh, seeing a vehicle busted, I'm like, man, I can't fix that. Maybe you're a mechanic and think, well, I can fix it. But I couldn't. What about a broken relationship? You, know, have you ever been in that place where you look at it and say, you know, I see this all the time. Marriage is in trouble. And people are like, well, I don't need counseling. I can fix this myself. And they try and they try. And what actually happens? They actually cause so much more damage as a result. Why? Because broken can't fix Broken. It never can, and it never will. You know, but does all that brokenness, does that actually reveal that there must not be a God and that he must not care? It'd be the same thing as saying, my kids fight and they hurt each other. Does that, does that reveal that there's no parents? <laughs> well, no, of course not. But it does reveal something about us. And I think it's something that we need to look at just with our own lives and our own selves and realize that the culture around us and humanity around us, we're broken. And that is not good news. But we don't leave there today. You know, there's a guy named John Krasinski. He's uh, got this thing on, on YouTube called Some Good News. I think he sold it. It's too bad. He was doing a great job with it. But some good news. We have some good news for you today as well. This week as i was sitting on my desk, I saw this, this little recall notice that's on my, been sitting on my desk for a little while. My car has a recall on it. And as I saw it, I actually read the, uh, the line that said there, call now for a free repair that can save a life. As I saw that, I thought, you know what? I realized there's a recall on humanity as well. My car, I drive it. It's fine. It doesn't seem broken, but it's broken. You know, it seems to get me where I need to go and it's working okay for now until it won't. And I think we, as humanity, think the same thing. You know, things are okay. Everything's fine. Not realizing that we're broken inside. There's a recall on humanity itself. There's a recall in our lives. There's a recall on this broken people. Why? Because broken lives matter to God. Broken lives matter to him a lot. And some have that question, well, God, then why haven't you done anything? Why aren't you doing anything? And the answer is, he did. He did. He did exactly what we needed. And John, one of the Jesus followers, wrote it this way, and you've heard this verse before, but probably, you know, we've heard it so many times, we missed the power of it. That for God so loved this broken world, these broken people that he sent his son, that he did what was needed, that whoever would put their trust in him, that would put their trust in him realizing i'm broken and i can't fix broken but you can god I'll, I'll i'll take your way instead of my way god i'll put my trust in you not trusting in me anymore i trust my life to you the entirety of it he says that those people won't be lost they're not going to perish they're they're going to have eternal life that is what our world needs that is what we need as people who are broken is needing a needing the truth. Paul, a man who experienced this truth, he wrote it this way to the Romans. He said, when we were in Romans 5 or 6 and 8, he said, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. He's not saying, saying, oh, you and you. He's like, we're all in this together. And when we couldn't fix ourselves, that's when God came. He's already done something amazing for the world, but God showed his great love for us He's, like, he's, not, he's not showing judgment on us. It says he showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And why is that great love? Because Jesus cared enough to lay down his life for us. And like, well, why did Jesus have to die? Because when we see ourselves and we realize, well, I'm guilty, we don't want justice anymore. We're like, no, no, we don't want judgment for our wrongs. We don't want justice for our, for our brokenness. But the truth is that justice is still required that we're lawbreakers and we eat, we're, we're, we've broken the, the, the laws of God, that internal moral code that we all know when somebody crosses that line, we've crossed that line. And there's justice that's required and that judgment that we don't want on our lives. That's the good news. The good news is this, that something incredibly unjust was done to an incredibly just person so that our justice would be served and that we could be free. Jesus gave his life in our place, in my place, in your place. Man, that is good, good news for us. Why? Because it can fix what's broken. It can really fix what's really broken. And today Jesus is doing what he's always done. He's calling people to come to him today. He's calling real people, real broken people to come follow him today. He's calling real people, real broken people to put their trust in him today. Are you one of those people? Do you know people around you that need to hear the message of truth and the message of hope that Jesus was broken so we could be made whole? So the question this morning is, if you're not a Jesus follower and you've listened this long, he's calling out to you today. Will you answer that call to put your trust in him? Or will you keep trying to fix your broken life? Will you keep self-medicating with all of the things you run to that always leave you empty? Or will you at- at this point, say, God, you know what? I, I I give up trying to do it on my own. God, I accept you. I accept you and your forgiveness. Will you answer that recall notice? You know, I look at the recall notice. Man, those words, call now for a free repair that can save your life. That's the thing. Jesus said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul repeated it in Romans. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And finally, to the Jesus followers listening, there's an awful lot of finger pointing going on in these days. Most of it's online because that's, that's where we can, you know, the finger pointing. But can I just remind you that the mission for us hasn't been to say we're choosing sides on all of these different uh, issues, one after another after another, but that we've simply been called to be signposts that point to Jesus, that we would continually be pointing to Christ you know, not pointing to ourselves as if we've got it all together. We don't. <laughs> Believe me, if you're listening this morning, I don't have it all together. I'm just a regular guy like you. I just happen to have the opportunity to share the word this way, but I don't have it all together. He says, we're not pointing our fingers at us, pointing our fingers at our opinions, pointing at our fingers at uh, our rights because we have to give up those rights. And we're not pointing our fingers at people saying, oh, they're so bad. They're so wrong. They got to change because that's not the that's not the truth either. The Simple thing is that the truth that was 2,000 years ago is still true today. That we'd point people to Jesus because he still is the answer and he still is the hope that our world needs. He is the hope for broken people. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, I just pray that you do what I can, that you would translate this into every, every life this morning that's listening, that they would know and hear your voice and what you're saying to them in this time and in this, and in this moment. Father, thank you that we mattered enough to you, that you were willing to lay down your life for us, that you were willing to take our judgment, that you would bought our justice and that you set us free. God, I pray that as we allow that to permeate our beings and our lives, that as we walk out from this place, that we would love like you loved and that we'd really see change in our world. Love you, Father. Thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.